sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. I welcome all of you to our daughter, you can make it second day, amen, of our convention. And the reason why the women's conference is called Daughter, You Can Make It is because, you know, when God came to the Garden of Eden and Eve had disobeyed God and Adam had fallen and all that, God came in the cool of the day looking for them to fellowship with them as he had usually done. And Adam and Eve knew that they had disobeyed God, so they hid themselves. Many times when we know that we haven't done what is right, we hide ourselves. And when God said, Adam, where are you? They said, oh, we were naked, so we hid ourselves. And God said, who told you that you were naked? And so God got into their issues. And for everybody, he gave a different judgment and a different sentence. Now, judgment is different from sentence. Judgment is where you say you are guilty on this count, or you are not guilty, or whatever. That is judgment. Then after that, the sentencing is, because you are guilty of stealing, I sentence you to five years' imprisonment. You understand? So God brought judgment on Adam and Eve that they had violated his laws. And then he sentenced Eve. And the sentence said that, your desire shall be unto your husband, and he will rule over you. Hallelujah. He also said that in sorrow you shall conceive, and in sorrow you will give birth. He also said to Eve that I will put enmity between you and the serpent, and between your seed and the serpent seed. There are two different things. The enmity is on two levels. The first one is between women and the serpent. And the second one is between the woman's seed and the serpent seed. So Satan also brings fruit, bears fruit after his own kind. Amen. And God didn't say that I'll put enmity he said, I'll put enmity between you, the serpent, you and the serpent, and you will bruise his head, but he will bruise your heel. And when your heel is bruised, when you are walking, you cannot walk properly. 
something, you have a limp. Or you will not be complete. Hallelujah. And so what God was saying that in your walk, Satan will try to let you not walk properly. He will try to get in. And the situations that he will use will be marriage and childbirth and sorrow and giving birth and attacking your seed and enmity with... But then at the end of the day, you will bruise the head. So what it is is, he will impede your speed, but he cannot eliminate you. Hallelujah! But you will bruise his head. And when you, when you bruise the head of something, it's splashed, it's crashed, it's... I mean, the head is what controls us. You may have a perfect body, but if you don't have a good head working properly, you are finished. Your heart may work properly, but if the head is not working properly, you'll be walking, eating garbage, doing all sorts of things. And so the power that God has entrusted to women is lethal. And Satan knows it. And because of that, Satan is after us. But thanks be unto God, who always, not sometimes, not when the times are good, but always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Now under the new covenant, the new Adam was released. And God says in the book of Timothy, that even in childbirth you will be saved if you continue in faith and righteousness and in good works. Hallelujah. So God has provided a way of escape, even in every temptation. And that is why we call our conventions, Daughter, You Can Make It. It means that in spite of your marital frustrations, in spite of the fact that the man is a Nebal, in spite of the fact that you are having problem, gynecological problems, problems with giving birth and all that, you will prevail and you can make it. In spite of all these attacks that the enemy may array against us. Hallelujah. So we will be having a series of meetings today. We'll have question and answer time and all that. And then later in the day, we will launch the book. Hallelujah. But I want to speak to you this morning about daughter, your seed. Your seed. I want to tell you that every woman has a seed. And that seed is planted and given by God. Hallelujah. It is a divine seed. And many seeds look insignificant. When you look at a seed, you cannot see how a seed can become a tree. Because the seed, compared to what the tree becomes, looks so insignificant. The tree looks big, gigantic, mighty, very um, attractive. But as for a seed, it looks like something that you can do whatever you want with it. You can either do this and it's gone. The wind can blow it away. I mean, anything can happen. But there's power in the seed. There's life in the seed. And there's life in you, daughter, because of God's seed. Hallelujah. But because of that seed, you see, sometimes when something is chasing you or is after you, it's not you they want. They want what you have. But before he can have what you have, 
he has to eliminate you or attack you. And then when he attacks you, he can have what you have. But so far as you are alive, you are on guard and all that, it is difficult to reach the seed. The Bible does not say that as Christian women, we will not have temptations. In fact, Peter says that, why do you behave as if something strange is happening to you when you go through different trials? James says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you go through various trials, knowing this, that the trial of your faith worketh patience. And count it all joy means throw a party. I, I wonder how many of us throw a party when we go through various trials. We rather have a pity party, self-pity party. And we look in the mirror and we cry, Ooh, I don't think anybody is suffering like I am. I don't think that anyone has gone through this. And then God has an answer. He says that your brethren all over the world are going through the same thing. Your sisters all over the world are going through the same thing. But thanks be unto God, who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So for Satan to get us, he needs our seed. And God said, I will put enmity, not friendship, not love, but real hatred. But many of us, when they tell us that it's hatred or enmity, I mean, we sort of think maybe it's a novel or a storybook or a literature. They are just writing and using imagery to say, but when God says it's enmity, it's enmity. When God says it's not love, it's not love. When God says it's spiritual wickedness in high places, not low, high level wickedness, that is what it is. Hallelujah. And so there's enmity between the woman's seed and her seed. Now in the Bible, the woman's seed was more of a biological seed. It was more of the child that you were going to bring forth. And bringing forth was not just bringing a human being into the world. But every human being that God allowed to come into the world had a purpose and had a place to fit in God's plan. Hallelujah. And so it is with your seed. Your seed is not for you. The Bible says the kingdom of God it's like a mustard seed which a man took and put in the earth. And after a while, it became a big tree. And what happened? Birds of the air came and made their nests and found a shade in it. So your seed is not about you. The seed is about God's purpose, God's destiny, God's design, and what God can see in the future. If it was just about you, you, you would just become a tree and you will be there. But the ultimate of it is that other birds, should come and find a nest and a place to rest in that kingdom of God. So it's not about you, it's about the kingdom. Hallelujah. And when we look in the Bible, we see that any time a woman had a seed, Satan was there. Hallelujah. When you look at Sarah, she could not give birth. She was barren. And God called her husband out. And when your husband is called out, as a wife, you are automatically called out too. Hallelujah. Amen. When God calls your husband into ministry or to a place, 
you are also part of it. So the young ladies who are not married, ask yourself, can I follow? Because if you cannot follow, then you are not ready to marry. And many of you, you think that marriage is, oh, we'll have discussions. He will say and I'll say. It's true. But there are times when you say and I say, but we have different views. So whose views carry? You will say the better of the two. But what you think is better, your husband also thinks his is best. So what happens in Ephesians 5 says, wives, submit unto your own husbands. Some of you, you are very good at submitting to your own pastors. You are good at submitting to your own bosses. You are good at submitting to your own bank managers. You are good at submitting to your own uh, CEOs. But to your own husbands, you are not good at that. And if you do not have a submissive spirit, you are not ready to Hallelujah. Amen. And submission is not a bad thing. It says submit in all things as unto the Lord. The as unto the Lord part is important. Because if you don't see God in it, at a point you will stop. At a point you will give up. But if you are doing it as unto the Lord, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Hallelujah. And even though I preach submission, I also preach understanding and wisdom. You need to be like Abigail so that you will know how to maneuver. Hallelujah. It's not every fool that you just submit to. The man kicks you, canes you, does something, says, Oh my Lord, the Bible says I should submit, so I'll be here. Beat me to pulp and I will die here because the Bible says I should submit. Even Jesus said to his disciples, when you are persecuted in one city, run to another. Run, baby, run. I'm not saying that go and file a divorce, but run for safety. Run to preserve your life. Am I preaching to somebody? This is just a little digression for our unmarried ladies. Hallelujah. And even the married ones. And when you look at the man, ask yourself, this thing, can I submit to it? Yeah. Hallelujah. Because some of you, you say, then pastor, I don't even know why I married him. This thing, the way he talks, I cannot submit. you saw it. You saw all the signs and you followed your emotions in spite of all that the Holy Spirit was telling you. Now they say, submit said that this thing, I can't submit to it. So take a good look and say, this thing, can I respect it? Can I honor it? Can I become secondary sometimes so that he will become primary? Can I? How I see myself. Hallelujah. Because anything which has two heads is a freak. Anything which has two, hearts, two heads is abnormal. So you have to know. And if you cannot submit to God and to his word, you cannot have marry successfully. Because even some unbelievers, they may not be born again, but they use the principles of the scripture. And it works for them. It's like giving. 
They use the principle of giving and it works for them. You know, some unbelievers, they even pay tithe. And the believers, rather, will open the door and say, Divaris, come. Things I have to do, I won't do. Divaris, have, have access into my life and, and devour and destroy because that's your ministry. But whatever God says, you know, you should come to a place in your mind where you say, I don't feel like forgiving you. But nevertheless, at his word, every Christian needs a nevertheless in his life. Peter said, we've told all night. Nevertheless, at your word. Nevertheless, it's another message. One day, I'll preach it. Hallelujah. Peter said, we have told all night. We have caught nothing. From what we have been through, what we have experienced, and what we are seeing, we shouldn't listen to you. Nevertheless, at thy word. And Jesus also said, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Every Christian needs a nevertheless. How come you, you don't have nevertheless in your life? Everything is, I have done this all night, I'm going to do this the other time. I have told all night, I need sleep, not to go back and catch fish. You, Jesus, are you a fisherman? How many years experience do you have? To tell me that I should go and put my net here. But Peter said, I'm, a, I'm an experienced fisherman. I've done that all my life. I've told all night. I've caught nothing. In the same sea you're asking me to go back to. Nevertheless, at your word. Hallelujah. So we come back to the seed of a woman. Sarah followed Abraham. Now as she followed they couldn't see anything. God said, at 90-something, you will have a baby. So I said, me? God said, yes, you. Really? So she waits for God's promise, and it doesn't seem to be coming. And like all of us, we are so impatient. You see, the world now is microwave, instant tea, instant coffee, everything instant. So you want to do instant marriage, instant faith, instant work with God. But it's a walk. It's not a flight. It's a walk. And Enoch walked with God. It's a walk. Faith is a walk. Hallelujah. And so Sarah looked at the horizon and said, You know what? What has been promised to me is not coming. So I will have another method, another device. It's true, He gave me the promise. When I look at him, he doesn't seem to be delivering. Many of you are like that. God gave you a promise that he will honor the desires of your heart and you feel that it's not coming. So anything in trousers. Anything in trousers. You say, yes, I will go. So Sarah said, we've been here for a while. Because of one promise, we have changed our entire life. After retirement, God is now calling us. Huh? We have settled here we have our retirement plan. I'm used to the people here. I speak their language. My family is around me. I've not had a child yet. I need my family to be around me. You just come and say, God has called you. Where? I don't know. He says, as we are going, he will show me. Hmm. So she follows. And then she says, you know, when I look on the horizon, things are not happening. So let me also create an Ishmael. So she's the one who comes to advise Abraham. 
that <laughs> the Lord has, has uh, taken away from me the ability to give birth. That's what she said. The same God who promised you in your old age that you will give birth. You are now spiritualizing things he has not said. As for God, the things that we have said, he has said. So go into my maid or have sexual relationship with my maid and then she'll have a child and then I will keep the child. I found another way. He promised, but I don't think he would deliver the way he said. So let me help him out. You see, we have made ourselves personal Holy Ghost to help God out. And when Ishmael is born, Hagar also becomes something. That's, that's also another message. You know? They are, they are all on, on CDs and DVDs. Maybe we didn't bring some, but as we go along, you can order them. Amen. And so, Ishmael is born. And Sarah feels that. Perhaps that's it. But when Ishmael is born, it comes with so many problems. And that's what always happens when we take things into our own hands. But the long and short of it is that any time God is going to use a woman's seed, there will be alternative plans to lead her off the path that God has called her to. And our main temptation now as Christians is lack of focus. Because there are so many things that distract you from nurturing that seed that God has promised and so many things, so you're on the road, but you're always derailing, coming back, derailing, coming back. You know, so when Ishmael is born, she thinks, that must be it. And Abraham also thinks, that must be it. So he's not really looking to see, and he's praying before God secretly, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God says, no, my covenant is with Sarah's seed. Hagar has had a seed, all right. I will bless Ishmael all right, but that's not the seed of promise. Because Hagar was an Egyptian. She didn't know God, but I believe as she lived in their household, she got to know God. But Sarah was from the original stock that God had chosen, and her seed was the seed of the covenant and the seed of promise. And that is why Satan will bring other seeds to confuse you and also make you feel that you have no seed to give for God's promise concerning your life to come to pass. So did God say that he will make you the, the princess of his seed? How come nothing is happening? You know, it wasn't really you. It was supposed to be another way. And when that happens, we become discouraged and we begin to give up. But God comes again by uh, coming in the form of three angels. To Abraham's house. He said that, look, your wife Sarah is going to have a baby. So the thing that I've spoken, that covenant seed, it will come to pass. But look at the attack that her seed is under. Her seed is under the attack that you are insignificant. Her seed is under the attack that it can't do anything and it's not even there and that your seed is lifeless and your seed can never come about and and who said that God has anything to do with you, Sarah? She had given up. So when the angels gave the message, she laughed. And God who sees and hears said, why did Sarah laugh? And such so that we have the, the audacity to lie before God. I didn't laugh. Hey! Almighty God is saying, you laughed. And you are arguing with him that I didn't laugh. Anyway, and God changes Sarah's name. 
He says, you are going to be a mother of many nations. You are going to be a princess of many nations through this one seed. And Sarah laughs. Why does she laugh? Because she's in a desert. She's alone. She sees a lot's betrayal. She sees wars. She sees Hagar becoming something else. And she does not see God's promise concerning her. But the reason why her Isaac is under attack is because if Isaac comes forth, God's plan will be unfolded. Because when you look back, Jesus was supposed to come from that seed. So I see that we think we are just walking about in life. Oh, I just came to Zambia to preach. I just came to... But no, God has the jigsaw puzzle. And he's fitting everything in, even for generations yet unborn. But most of us, we live in the now. And we see the now. That is why when God calls you, and he tells you that he wants you to do something, just say, oh, this thing. Me, I like stage ministries. I like to be praised by men. I like to... Because you, you, you don't think deep to see that God's plan is bigger than you. And God's plan transcends your life here on earth. Hallelujah. So Isaac is born. The Bible says that when he was supposed to be weaned, Ishmael stood afar off and mocked. Your seed will be mocked at. Your seed will be disrespected. Ishmael mocked. Perhaps he said that this, uh, look at how old you are. How are you even going to breastfeed? Look at you. You say you have a child. Ishmael was 13 years then. But your mistake can mock your miracle and stop your seed from coming forth. And all those things are part of Satan's plan against us. And mockery, shame, dishonor, those are the things that make us go back. Sometimes you start to even share a word and people are like, since when did you also start? It's okay. But everybody starts little. Everybody starts small. I mean, it's one building block after the other. Hallelujah. And God still uses the basics. So Ishmael, Israel, um, Isaac is born because through Isaac is the seed of covenant. Now Isaac is born. Isaac also marries. Has a child. He marries at 40. I wouldn't advise that. It's too late. And because he was an only child, he was always with his mother. He won't marry. And the Bible says that when his mother died, before now, they were thinking of a wife for him at 40. And that when Rebecca came into his life, then Isaac was comforted and stopped mourning his mother. May you be a woman who brings comfort so that your husband stops mourning. Hallelujah. And so Rebecca also comes on the scene. And again, Satan attacks that seed again. Rebecca also cannot give birth. The seed is there. God has a plan for the seed. But in the natural, it's proving difficult to come. So many difficulties that Satan brings her away. She looks, she looks, it's not happening. And then after a while, the Bible says that Isaac prayed for Rebecca. Husbands must pray for wives. I believe that it brings a certain blessing. Hallelujah. So Isaac, and you must also make yourself prayable for. So Isaac prayed and God told him, your wife will have a child. And she did. She got pregnant with twins. And God gave a prophecy. 
The older shall serve the younger. This is what's going to happen. So Rebecca had the baby. Esau, Jacob. Esau was close to his father. We all know the story. Jacob was close to his mother. And all the deception that came through. So that Jacob had to flee from the land of promise. Whether your seed is a boy or a man, it is still your seed. Hallelujah. And Satan pursues it to the end. And so instead of Jacob being in the land of promise, the situations work out in such a way that he goes to live with his uncle Laban. The uncle deceives him just as he had deceived his brother. So many things happened. He was used by God, but that's what the deception, he paid big time. To be deceived on your marriage day is not easy. And it's because of Jacob that nowadays they say, unveil your bride and see whether she is the one. Because Leah had been brought in a veil and Jacob was not able to see. But again, Leah, God opens Leah's womb and Leah has the baby. The Bible says Rachel was barren. Why was Rachel barren? Because the seed that should continue that line is in there. And Satan puts that seed under harsh attack. So that's the reason why you face unsurmountable problems and challenges. It's not because you are outside God's will, but it's because you are precious seeds. And everything precious passes through fire. Everything precious is hidden in the depths of the earth. Talk about oil, talk about gold, talk about diamond. It's always hidden somewhere. It has to be excavated. It has so many things. And it has to pass through fire like gold before it will come forth as pure gold. The impurities have to be removed. Hallelujah. And I think that even coming up in the ministry for me, I have, I have had so much reason at each stage to give up, at each stage to grow tired, at each stage to grow weary. At each stage, sometimes your minister, Satan comes to ask you, do you think you should have gone for the meeting at all? Who do you think was blessed at the meeting? Do you think that you have achieved anything at all? And you have to have a word for him. That Satan is not me achieving. It's God sending me. And God said, whatever word I sent, it will accomplish that for which it was sent. And that it will not come back void. Hallelujah. It's the word. And I'm just a servant and an instrument. And I'm just obeying God. Sometimes, many great men of God, like Yonggi Cho and all that, have been impacted or brought to Christ but by a young lady. That is her seed. And then at a time, Yonggi Cho has the largest church in the world. And he has all these huge churches and branches. You should see it in Korea. It's something else. It's like a, it's like a multinational company. The buildings and the, you know? But it was that little girl's obedience that you need Christ. Give your life to Christ. And the little girl has said, it's only one soul. What can it do? It's only one soul. How far can it go? It's God who has the master plan. You have only a piece of the plan. Hallelujah. And so Rachel too comes on the scene. No child. She has to wrestle. She has to get into quarrels with her sister. Instead of focusing on God, she gets distracted. She says, I'm wrestling with my sister. Wrestlers are in the wrestling ring. But you have brought it home. 
And then after that, she begins to uh, get into difficulty with Jacob. Say, give me a child or else I die. Is Jacob God? If he could give you a child, would he not give you that child? But all that changes your focus so that the seed will not come forth. Even when a woman is very troubled, always thinking, always weeping, it affects ovulation. And she's not able to, to, to give birth because she's not relaxed. She's so tense, so worked up. You know, because God has created a certain atmosphere for the seed to thrive. And spiritually also, you need a certain atmosphere for the seed to thrive. So Joseph is born. Why is Joseph precious seed or an important seed of the woman? Because he's supposed to go ahead to Egypt to get grain for God's people so that they will not be wiped out by farming, but that they will travel to Egypt and they will already have somebody there who would have prepared everything for them. And that seed also has to go through affliction. The Bible says, except a seed falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. I have news for you. Your seed is going to fall into the ground. Your seed is going to have to die. Your seed is going to abide alone sometimes. But all those things are nutrients to make it grow. Hallelujah. Except a seed falls. It's not easy to fall into the ground. Hallelujah. You see, you think that, ah, but I'm on my way up in God. How come I'm going down? Because in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. In the kingdom of God, it's the other way around. I thought that when somebody does something to you, you have to tell the person your peace of mind so that the person will not repeat it. And you have to pay the person in her coin so that she will know how painful it is and not do it again. But the Bible says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them that despite you. Four categories of people. Love your enemies. Your enemy is the first category. Do good to them that hate you. Them that hate you are the second. Bless them that curse you. Them that curse you are. And the fourth are those that despitefully use you. I mean, God could have given us some nicer people to be good to, to bless. And to, but these are the, the classes. Enmity, those who hate you. Bless them who curse you. And those who despitefully use you. What a group of people. But in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why? So that he may exalt you. So even Joseph, you are the, the chosen seed. But because of that, the seed has to fall into the ground. And it's not just falling into the ground. And die. And die. How many of us are ready to die? Are you sure? Do you know what death entails? You have to die to yourself. You have to die to your own ambitions. You have to die to wanting to be famous or wanting to be somebody known. You just have to say, Lord, whatever you say, give me the grace to obey. Not knowing what you will become. Not knowing how it will become. Not knowing how he will work it out. Like Joseph, because of your dreams, you attract enemies. Because of your dream, they say, here comes the dreamer. Let's put him, kill him and put him in the pit and we will see what will become of his dreams. That's also another message. Daughter, birth your dreams. 
to another message. On DVD and all, and I entreat you to get it because I cannot stay here with you for months. But the DVDs and the CDs will stay with you forever. Amen. And he has to go to prison. He has to be a houseboy in somebody's house. Why? Because there's a divine connection. If he doesn't go to Potiphar's house, he cannot end up where the king's servants are jailed. So you have to go there so that you go among the prisoners of important people. Because if you become ordinary, you go through the prison ordinary, you won't meet the butler and the baker. And the butler and the baker are the ones who stand before the king. So, you see, God's plan. Let us believe that his ways are not our ways. Let us believe that his thoughts are not our thoughts. Because that's the only way we can progress. Because if you had asked Joseph, you say, God has abandoned me. I mean, sometimes you have feelings like that. I've come to Egypt, nobody knows me. My father is there, he thinks I'm dead. I can't send anywhere to my father. I'm just here. And when things are picked up, my master likes me and all that, then I'm thrown into prison. I mean, the equation doesn't work. But that is the seed. That's the seed falling into the ground. That's the seed dying. I accept it does that it abides alone. But when it's able to die, then it gives life to many. Just like Jesus. It is said that Joseph is a prototype of Jesus. Because he also has to go to jail. He was sold for 30 or 20 piece, 30 pieces of silver, just like Jesus. He also has to be made with the prisoners and with all the people who, like Jesus, went to hell, you know. And then he has to come and set people free and provide for people. And that was Joseph. Daughter, your seed. Look at even his childbirth. He almost didn't come. And when he came, his mother died and left him. And he became his father's loving child. That one who brought enmity and accusations. And I mean, you can easily give up and say, no, God, what? I don't want to be a seed. I don't want to be any precious seed for you. I just want to be, no. But God will cause us to endure. Hallelujah. Now, when Moses is also born, the king makes a law that every male child that is born should be killed. Every single male child should be finished. But the girls should be left. That's what has happened in China. You know, some years ago, they were killing all the girls. They said, it's better to have a son. It's better to have a son. Now they say they are a bachelor society. They are looking for wives. They can't find. We are never wiser than God. Hallelujah. But I think, when I heard that news, I said, oh, it's the seed of a woman. The woman is being eliminated at childbirth before she can even come. But you don't see that the future of your nation even depends on that. Who is going to bear the seed? These men, do they have a womb? Hallelujah. So Moses is born at a time when there is great pressure. Great, great, great pressure. Let's read it from Acts 7. We haven't read the Bible for some time. Acts chapter 7. When you get there, tell us. Are we there? Verse 17. Acts 7, verse 17. But as the time of the promise was approaching, 
which God had assured to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt. Until there arose another king over Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. It was he who took shrewd advantage of our race and mistreated our fathers so that they would expose their infants and they would not survive. And it was at this time, everybody say, it was at this time, that Moses was born. Hallelujah. And he was lovely in the sight of God. And he was nurtured three months in his father's home. The Bible says that as the time of promise was approaching, which God had exposed, assured, let me wear my glasses, which God had assured to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied. There's a time of promise for everything. And when the time of promise is approaching, that's when there's most pressure. When you are pregnant, it is when labor is getting closer. That's when there's the greatest pain and greatest pressure. And the Bible says, and it was at this time, Moses could have been born before this law. Moses could have been born before all this wickedness. But the Bible says, as the time of promise was approaching, it was at this time that Moses was born. There's a reason for the pressures. It's because the time of giving birth, the time of delivering, the time of bringing forth is close. And that's when you have the most pain. That's when the contractions become closer and closer and closer. It means that the time for delivery is near. And so it was with Jochebed, Moses' mother. As the time was approaching, the laws were becoming more, more stringent, more rigorous, more difficult, you know? And people were just killing their babies before time. Midwives were also killing the babies immediately they were born. But somehow, God preserved Moses. In the midst of Egypt, God said, no, this seed is something. And all these seeds, Joseph, uh, Isaac, Moses, they are all the seed of a woman. A man does supply, but the seed essentially comes from the woman. And she comes under that pressure. And it will be easy to say, you know, everybody's son is being killed. As I'm preserving this baby's life, I will be killed. Because babies don't keep quiet. They shout, especially when they are newborn. They don't sleep in the night. They throw their legs. As I'm washing napkins, will I not be seen? I mean, it's an inconvenience for a seed to come at this time. But the timing is because of the seed. Hallelujah. The timing is because of the seed. Because God is trying to provide a fertile environment for the seed to come forth. And so he sends uh, midwives who fear God. And they are the ones who are there at the time so that the seed can be brought forth. And that seed is hidden by Jochebed for three months. The way she can no longer hide it, she goes to make a basket. And she puts the seed in it. And at a point, it's like you are losing everything. Because you put it on a river, it can be drowned. Anything can happen. But whatever God gives you, he will ask you for it. Hallelujah. If God gives you a loving husband, he will ask you for it. If God gives you a loving wife, he will ask you for it in many ways. Like Hannah, the precious seed will be asked for. You have to give back your someone. And Hannah said that, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as I live, he shall be the Lord's. 
She didn't see it as a loss. She saw it as an investment. And that's why she used the word lending. I have lent him to the Lord. But when you lend something, you make interest on it. Yeah. Hallelujah. But if you've looked for a child all these years, and God gives you just one, you don't even know if you have more. And then you, in the midst of your precious, what God is looking for for you is to release it. And Hannah does that through a vow. That if you give me a male child, of all the sufferings I'm suffering with this penina, I will give it to you. you see, don't make emotional promises. I don't think that Hannah's promise was emotional. She meant it. So the Bible says as soon as the baby was weaned, at what age are babies weaned? She didn't even enjoy the motherhood. At a young age, and Elkanah was saying, I'm going to the temple, come with me. Hannah said, no, I know myself. I know my temptations. If I go now, the baby is not weaned, I have to bring it back and then go to Shiloh and then come back. I'm going to have problems. So I will wait. When the baby is weaned, I will perform my vow. Do you think it's easy? Releasing your seed allows God to multiply the seed back. For God gave Hannah three sons or three daughters and two sons back. But at the time of releasing the seed, she didn't know. So sometimes you see the seeds. After all the struggles, oh, this seed is very precious. Oh, look at what God has done. Look at where I've reached in ministry. Look at where, and then you begin to now take the thing, own it, keep it, nurture it. You won't go anywhere again. But God has a higher plan. But somehow you want to make your tent here and settle here, not knowing that you are at level two, but actually you are supposed to be catapulted to level ten. The seed of a woman. Penina had children, children, Hannah, man. Penina will be doing things and saying things, and, and the one that I asked you for, it's not Penina who makes the vow, but me. And you take the seed. The same with Moses. Put it on a river, let it go. The same with Jesus. Put it on the cross, let it go. But it will come back to you. Same with Isaac. Put him on the thing, sacrifice him. But it will come back. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven nineteen, Abraham sacrificed Isaac because he knew that God was able to resurrect him. But we thought that, oh, Abraham is a very macho. He just took the child and just obeyed God. He had a certain thinking that the Bible reveals to us in Hebrews 11. As he was doing it, he said, oh, even if I kill it, I kill it. God will resurrect it. That time, Jesus hadn't come home. Resurrection hadn't happened. But he knew as a father of faith that the person who gave me, but many of us would have asked questions. It's not God who argued. It's not you. How can you promise me something, give me something, and then come back for it? You are not in it. It's not God. And then also, God knows how I love this child. And God does not believe in human sacrifice. And God has not... So many things that we would say. But Abraham just obeyed. And when he took the knife to kill his Isaac, was then God said, don't kill the child. I now know what is in your heart. So what God was after... It's not the seed, but he's after your heart when you have the seed of promise. Hallelujah. Some of you small converts that you have, you have become something else. Small singing that you sing here, we can't correct you anymore. You have reached where you are going. Small husband.
husband that you married, you won't come to church again. Your workings have changed. When you see us, we do hey. It's just level one. As soon as you had your wedding, you are forgotten about God. When we call, you say, you don't come for the visit. You say, oh, well, Johnny and I are going to Victoria Falls. Johnny and I are spending the weekend. Johnny has replaced Christ. Small blessing that God gave you. But God will always require your Isaac. Some of the things that I treasure, or one of the things that I treasure is my husband. And God requires him of me many, many, many times. When I was young, I used to think, oh, this is just a phase. After the turbulence, we'll settle. You know how when you're in an aircraft, after the turbulence, you sail, you know. But after the turbulence of giving him away, so, okay, let's go and plant a church in Geneva, you know. And then he used to go for three months, I guess. Oh, it was difficult, but now, you know, we have a branch. That's good. God, oh. Give me grace to whatever. But after that, then at that time, you have one branch. Then you have 10. Then you have 50. Then you have 500. So when are you going to that settle and then smooth sailing? I've forgotten about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I've forgotten about it. I just say, you know, this is a day the Lord has made. He's here today. We will flow. If the Lord requires him to go, the Lord will bless and keep him. Hallelujah. But many of you, that small thing that you have to release, it's a problem. And God will always ask your Isaac of you. So Moses was put on the river. Left, as it were, to chance. But the Bible says it was by faith that his parents did that. Faith that even when they give it away, God himself has a way, has a way. of keeping that which he gives to us. Hallelujah. Amen. Then he ends up in Pharaoh's daughter's house. He goes to Egypt. Your seed goes through so many things before it comes to even walk in the road or the promise that God has set. At the time of the promise, when the time of the promise drew near, the people multiplied. And then the law came. And it was at this time that Moses was born. May you not be so overcome with emotion when trouble or affliction comes that you don't see your way forward and you don't rather bring forth what God wants to bring forth in you with whatever comes your way. Hallelujah. Now we come to Jesus. And Jesus is born in a scandal. He is born and, I mean, God, Mary has not said she wants a child. She's engaged to be married to Joseph. I mean, those days, they really used to marry very early. 16, 15. I mean, if I had married at 16, they would send me to my mother's house the next day. I would not have any, anything reasonable to contribute to the marriage. 16, I would cry every day. You know, once we had a marriage counseling uh, time where we meet different people like Zero to two years married, then I meet them. Then two to five years. So I met zero to two years. And the one gentleman put up his hand. I said, so what are your challenges? Zero to two in your marriage. The one gentleman put up his hand. I have a problem with my wife. The wife was sitting by him. I said, really? What problems? Every small thing in the house, she's crying. Every day, take me back to mama. Every day, take me back to mama. 
lady pastor, it's too much. So I said to the wife, but you too, why do you say, because I want to go to mama. As he shouts and all that, I want to go to mama. So if you are the kind who always goes to, wants to go to mama, you are not ready. But Mary was at that age where she wanted to go to mama. And then God came with the form of an angel and said, Oh, hail, no favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women and blessed you shall give birth to a child. Hey, the Bible says that Satan troubled her. So how can these things be? And the angel just said, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and you'll be able to have. And Mary then just settled it. I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now she was engaged to Joseph. How do you feel when a woman comes to you and says, I'm pregnant, and you know that you have not had anything to do with her? Even when people have had things to do with you, they say they are not the father. And that let's go and do paternity tests. And that's also because you yourself, you haven't been straightforward, so now we can't see the father clearly. May the Lord deliver us. Amen. Amen. Joseph says, Mary, why are you throwing up? I'm pregnant. Yeah? By who? Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, if it were me, I'll leave you. Hey! I will never believe, and I'm glad I was born at the time I was born. I will never believe that any Holy Ghost has come to make you pregnant. But the Bible says that God came to Joseph in the form of a dream and said that this thing is of me, you know, so accept Mary so that Jesus will come from a home. Jesus will have a father. And there are other things and roles that Joseph must play. You know, and the Bible says that Joseph was a just man, so he didn't want to make a public display of Mary. So he was thinking, I'll just put her away quietly. Just men treat women with dignity. Just men don't expose women anyhow and treat them anyhow. Just men like Joseph, they treat women with respect. And I pray that we'll get such brothers in our church. You are one. Wait for God to say it. Hallelujah. But the reason, or one of the reasons why God brought a Joseph into their lives was because Herod was going to look for Jesus. The Bible says when the wise men went to Herod and said, oh, we've seen a star in the east. They said there's a king who has been born, king of the Jews, and we have come to worship him. Herod said, oh, when you go and you find the place, come and tell me and all that. But the reason was he wanted to finish the child off. He wanted to kill Jesus. Because Moses was coming forth, a law had been made that all male children should be killed. When Jesus was coming forth, a law was made again that all male children under two years should be eliminated. Why? Because Satan knows they will fall in that group. Daughter, your seed. Your seed. Don't take it for granted that something wants to attack you. Something is after your seed. Believe it. See it. May God give you spiritual eyes so that you don't just behave anyhow like a carnal person, taking any decision, doing anything. Always know that, no, I have something precious that I'm bearing. God has given me the privilege of bearing something and I must look after it well. Hallelujah. So God tells Joseph in a dream, wake up, Pharaoh is going to look for you and flee to Egypt and keep the child there and I will come back to you and tell you when everything is okay. 
So Joseph obeys. You see, God speaks to us through his word, but he also speaks to us supernaturally. Some of you, you don't know the supernatural aspect of God at all. Every time you have a dream, you don't remember. If you remember, you don't pray about it. If you remember, you just talk to your friend about it, but you don't ask God. What were you trying to say? What was the message? Everything about you is so carnal. There's nothing spiritual about you. It's time to be spiritual. Because God reveals so many things to us, but we don't pay attention. Hallelujah. And so Jesus is taken away. And when Herod hears that, he makes a law. Kill everybody. And the Bible says, the voice of Rachel was heard, crying and making lamentation for her children who had been killed. In the land of Israel, all the boys were eliminated. Two years and below. Why? Because of one seed. One. And why was Satan after that seed? If you were Satan, would you like Jesus to come? You would not like him to come. And he doesn't stop at childbirth. That's the point I'm making. He continues. Because with Moses, he brought so many things. You know, do this, go and kill this person. And the God has said that you'll be a ruler. But he didn't say by fist and fight. And then now you are sent to the wilderness. Then you come back. Then the people rebel against you. And they say, who made, us? Who made you a prince and a judge? But that is exactly what God has called you to be. And then as you are leading them, they say, you lord it over us too much. We don't even want you to be our leader. Your call, your ministry, your destiny is always under attack. Always. Always. So that even such as the very people you are called to are the very people who say, we don't want you. But that's where you are called to. And you look at that and say, oh, the way they are behaving, maybe I'm not called there. No. That's where you are called. When he goes to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, they make Aaron the leader. But that's not God's plan. God started long ago, preserved him on the river, through the death and all that, to bring him to that place. But when there's a little opportunity, we want to set our Moseses aside and install our own Aaron's. We want to set our Isaacs aside and install our own Ishmael's. That's how we are. And all that is Satan's maneuverings. And when Jesus comes and starts preaching, I have never seen somebody preaching and you are led to the brow of a hill that they want to throw you down. Just preaching. Because he didn't succeed at killing him as a child. So he has to continue to haunt him, even as a man. Jesus goes to preach in the temple and then the devil starts shouting, What have we to do with you, Jesus, son of the Most High God? How have you come to torment us before our time? That is why they don't want him. Because when he comes, he torments them. And we too come to torment the enemy. And that is why he, don't, he doesn't want us to become what God wants us to become. Because the Bible says, for this reason, the Son of God was made manifest. Why? That he may destroy the works of the devil. And Satan can see that, ah, so as you are coming, this is your mandate. And as you are flourishing in the church of God, this is your mandate. I have to use other things to destabilize you so that your fruit will not come from. And the last verse I want us to read is, is in Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. I hope you know that Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 12. Actually, this time I want to read from verse 11 to give us. Don't worry, after this session we have a break, okay? That's why it's that long. <laughs> it's 
We are reading from chapter 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there arose loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who art and who was, because thou hast taken thy great power and hast begun to reign. And the nations were enraged, and thy, thy wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to give their reward to thy bought servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to those who fear thy name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God which is in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple, and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. Chapter 12, verse 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain, to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head were seven diadems, and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven, and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Now the reason why I read chapter 11 was to show you that the Bible says the heavens opened, the kingdom of God came. All the hosts of heaven started to shout, the kingdom of our God has become, the kingdom of God has come, has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever, and God shall reward his people. And there was thunder and signs and all that. And it was when the kingdom of God was ushered in, this woman was also ushered in. The kingdom of God will come, but there's a role that daughters must play in the coming of that kingdom. The four and twenty elders, I always suppose that they are men. I've not thought of them as women. And all the others. And even as I said, the seed of a woman, it takes the man to also supply what God has given him for the seed to come forth. So I see that we are intermingled and we can't really do with, without the other. But as this woman comes out of heaven, she has twelve stars on her head. The sun and the moon and the stars are under her feet. And then she comes to a time when she has to bring forth. And the Bible says that when the woman was in pain, I tell you, your seed will not come forth without pain. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Not few. Many. But isn't it comforting that the Lord delivers us, us out of them all? He does not leave us in some. He does not leave us in a few. He delivers us out of them all. You know what I like about God? He's not like that boyfriend of yours who tells you lies. I'll do this for you. I'll do that for you. And then he never tells you that the road will not be easy. He tells you that everything will be rosy. But God will tell you many are the afflictions of the righteous. The truth. But the Lord will deliver him from them all. He says they that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. He says that if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. He tells you what it is so that you can look at it and say, I want, I don't want. 
But in the midst of carrying your cross and all that, you are still blessed. The Lord delivers him out of them all. So when the kingdom of heaven is ushered, and this woman comes, the Bible says she's with child, and she cries out being in labor and in pain. Why? To give birth. There's no giving birth without pain and labor. Even when they give you epidural, it's an injection. There's something. There's something. There's nothing without pain that it will just come forth. No way. And even when the epidural wears off, oh, that's also another. Those of you, you don't know what we are talking about, but I am saying that when you are giving birth, it comes with pain. It's a joyous occasion. It's a great thing. Women want it to happen to them all the time. Women will go for a prophet to bath them at a, at, a, at a lake and give them all sorts of verses, like I told you happened in Ghana, but they still will go through all that just to have a baby. Amen. So this woman was in great pain to give birth. And another sign appeared. How many of us know that Satan always has a duplicate? It's not even a duplicate, an imitation. And another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon. The Bible refers to Satan as that old dragon, the serpent, that old serpent, the dragon, having seven heads and ten horns. Only you, you have seven heads. This woman had one head with twelve stars, but you, Satan, you have seven heads and ten horns. And on his head were seven diamonds or diadems. You see, all that glitters is not gold. And he still swept away a third of the stars of heaven. Remember, the woman had stars under her feet. And threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman that was about to give birth. He says, if I don't get you when you are trying to get pregnant, it's okay. If I don't get you during the nine months, it's okay. But for you to bring forth that seed, for that seed to come alive and be on this earth, I will stand before you. Can you imagine something with seven heads, ten horns, red dragon, and you're about to give birth? Fear alone will let the baby go back. And Satan uses fear and frightening situations to intimidate us. Satan uses people who speak fear into our lives, fear about the future, fear about our lives, fear about how things will work out. And we never become what God wants us to be. <coughs> Stood before him. Hey, said, today, you think you are giving birth. It's not coming on. And look at what happens. And I'm ending soon. Verse 5. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Excuse me. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that she might be nourished for 1,260 1, days. In spite of all the frights, in spite of all the intimidation, she gave birth. In spite of Satan's attacks, in spite of how fearful he looks, it's just a look. Hallelujah. You see, the Bible says Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But Satan prowls around like, like a roaring lion. Imitation. But he's not. Like. 
like. He sounds like a lion, but he's not. The real lion is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But he will always bring you things that look like. Hallelujah. May you be delivered from every spirit of fear. Every spirit that stops you from becoming what God wants you to become. So the dragons, but the woman still gave birth to a male son. And the Bible says that God took that child into heaven. God knows how to protect that which we give to him. Even if it's on a river. Even if it's in Egypt. Even if it's on a cross. He knows how to resurrect that which seems to be dead. Even if it's on a sacrificial table like Isaac. He knows how to protect his own. His own seed. We are not on our own fighting our own battles and all that. Hey! The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty, 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 not weak, mighty, to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. And then the woman is also whisked away by God into the desert, a place where she cannot be found. And God nourishes her. To nourish is to feed, to give nutrients to, so that the person will become strong again. So God... Of course, has said that he's putting enmity between you and the serpent, between your seed and the serpent's seed. But he has not left you without weapons. And he has not left you defenseless. The Bible says the angels of the Lord, they encamp round about the righteous and deliver them. So our weapons are not even only prayer, the name of Jesus. They are unseen heavenly forces that are also backing us. And because of that, daughter, your seed must come. You are somebody's need. You are somebody's blessing. You are somebody's destiny. Someone is waiting for you to tell her about Jesus. Someone is waiting for you to bring the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Someone is waiting for you to be a Barnabas who brings encouragement. Someone is waiting for you to be David who drives away demons from people's lives. Somebody is waiting for you to be a church planter. Somebody is waiting for you to give birth to righteous seed so that God's plan can go forth. May you discover your seed. And when you do, may you fight for your seed. May you not be intimidated by the enemy. May every spirit of fear over your life be broken. May every spirit of intimidation, looking at yourself. You see, many times when God calls us, we feel inadequate. He calls Ezekiel, he says, hey, I'm an unclean man. I dwell among unclean people. As if God didn't know that. God told Jeremiah, I called you from your mother's womb. He says that, but um, I, I, I can't speak, and I can't. God calls Moses and says, oh, I think you should choose Aaron, because he's a better spokesperson, not knowing that Aaron would give you problems. God calls Abraham, and he calls Lot to go with him. People that God has not called us to go with him. And we feel that we, we, we understand the problems more than him. But God himself has called you. And the Bible says God uses the base things of this earth to confound the wisdom of the wise. Hallelujah. There are times when I've asked, you know, why don't I just stay in Ghana and do my conventions? Because, you know, going to a place, you have to travel there. First of all, you have to prepare. You have to prepare the home before you leave. You have to prepare your children before you leave. And then, maybe Bishop is also going for healing Jesus crusades. And then you have to prepare your children to be in good hands and not leave them for so long to and still balance it. And 
So you ask yourself, what? what, what? The devil says to you, what are you going to tell them that you have to go all over the seas? To go and tell them, I mean, what, what, what is so wild about that? What, what, what? I started to think about it and I said, Satan, you are a liar. Do you know that? When I was working as an attorney, we flew to all sorts of places. London, Barbados, New Zealand. Why? To go and discuss common law and the common law effects of colonialism and how to reverse it. Legal draftsmanship, good governance. Things that don't change lives. They don't save marriages. They cannot heal. They cannot cast out demons. But we travel for all this and we feel very important and very officious. How much more the gospel, the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. I said, Satan, I've seen you. You have your things. And then you also want to make me feel it's more comfortable here. At least from Ghana, you can go here and go here. But as you are going, you know, I'm supposed to go to Kenya. As you are going to Kenya and Odinga and this man are fighting. You think it's a good idea? Yes, Kofi Annan has gone. We too, we must go with the gospel. Hallelujah! But Satan will minister all these things to you. So just stay here. Just do what... Ah, it's tiring. Am I now going to wait on God? Am I now going to catch... Let me just become a housewife. Oh, I, I wanted to be a housewife a few months ago. So I'm just going to settle down be a housewife. I came to the office and I told them I don't know what's going to happen to our office, our office because I'm thinking of becoming a housewife. And I was very sober and serious and then they started to laugh. And then they asked me that, so then, would you do daughter? And I said, no, not for now. And all that. Then I went home one morning, my husband was talking to me and I said, you know, I was thinking of just becoming a simple housewife. He didn't even address my issues. He rather started to give me more work. When you go to the office, please do that. As if I was not even talking about a serious issue. Hey! And I said, Lord, you know, this is, I mean, that's how I'm feeling. I think I was also depressed after Mrs. Saki's death and all that. You know, so I was telling God, God, this is how I'm feeling. And this, I said, so you even ask me what I think. But you are proposing your plan that I should bless it. You know? And Satan said to me, oh, if you settle it, it will be very good. Oh, but it doesn't mean you won't do ministry. You still do ministry, but you know, you whatever. And then you have less things on your plate. And then you do this and you do that. And I said, no. How long do we even know how long we will live? And Paul said, I have finished my course. I asked myself, can I say I've finished my course? I can't answer that question. I also remembered how Mrs. Saki was called to glory by God. And I said, hey, the Bible says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, not sometimes, not in summer, not in winter, but always in the work of the Lord, knowing this, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. God bless you, daughter. May your seed come forth in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I just want to say, before I sit down, that there are some CDs and DVDs for sale. Daughter, Beth, your dreams. Okay, I didn't know it was here. Daughter, Beth, your dreams. More than a queen. Beyond your dreams. All these have preached in London, in Ghana.
in the U.S., in the Caribbean, so you can get them. Daughter, when, you get, when it gets hard, a woman's godly weapon. Daughter, get real. It's a woman's thing. These are all DVDs, huh? You see me, I see you. That was preached in Switzerland. Be good for you. Daughter, don't be obsessed. And the audios are how to be marriageable. Some of you want to marry, but you are not marriageable. Some of you, you are married, but you are not marriageable. Amen. Another CD is, daughter, you have tender eyes. Then woman of grace, that's one of my favorites, you should get it. Jezebelism. You read about Jezebel, you say Jezebel, she was somewhere. But we all have a bit of Jezebel in us, find out. Your temperament and your husband. You must listen to it. It will help to prepare you for marriage. And then how to be a good hostess. Because the Bible says that the wife of a deacon must be given to hospitality. It says about a bishop, he must be given to hospitality. And usually hospitality falls on women. So if you want to know how to be a good hostess. Remember the Shunammite woman? She didn't have a child, but she was just a good hostess. And God used that to bless it. So sometimes it's not going 40 days fasting and all that. But these little things of just blessing. You remember Dorcas in the Bible in Acts? She was just making clothes, ministering to people. And through that she was raised from the dead. Some of us, we think that it's only fasting prayer. So how to be a good hostess. Or simply put, how to look after visitors. You see, allow God to prepare you. I think about only yourself always. Get these messages and you won't be the same. And I want to say that many times you want to buy hairpiece, you want to buy cloth, things that perish, extensions for hair. You will pay for your nails, you will pay for those high heels, but for the word of God, you have no investment. May you change from today. And brothers also, may the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to take some questions and answers later on. So if you have any questions and questions for me, put them in the box. The Holy Ghost will help me to answer them. Amen. your seats. Mommy, we thank you so much for such a powerful way. Amen. For encouraging us to be better women. Amen. Ashes, please attend to the little boy out there, please. Um, at this time, before we continue, we'd like to call the drama group, Selena and Co. If you can kindly come and give us an interlude with your sketch. Amen. Shall we give them a hand of applause? It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. 
or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.